You're listening to audio from Calvary Baptist Church of Port Austin. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn more about us, please visit cbcportaustin.org. All right, Romans chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and turn to Romans chapter 8. One of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. And I wanted to use this holiday, Father's Day, to direct our hearts and minds to our Heavenly Father. And I said this this morning, but I'll say it again. If this message impacts you half as much as it impacted me, then you're in for a real treat. Uh, One of the things I do because I am so young is I recognize that I don't know a lot. And so I study, I listen to sermons, I read books before I preach messages, and I listened to several sermons on this this week. So anything good in this sermon is not original with me, but several sermons this week, and man, it was just so powerful um, just hearing this text preached and and seeing it from different angles, and it just really spoke to my heart, and so I hope it'll be a blessing to you. I'll read it for you. In Romans 8, we're going to read 14 um, through 17. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him together. I want to point your attention to that phrase in, in 17, and if children, then heirs. And that's what we'll be preaching on tonight. Let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And Lord, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for how inexhaustible it is, Lord. And we we can just spend hours and hours and hours in it and just continually come up with treasure. And Lord, I just pray that tonight this would be you speaking clearly through your word and not my words. Um, But we would leave changed, impacted, and just really astounded by the fact that you are our Father. Um, God, we love you so much, and thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the way my mind works is what I like to do when I approach a text of Scripture is I like to ask questions, um, and a lot of times that comes out in my preaching to where my points are actual questions. And so I have two questions to ask and answer tonight from this text that I think are critical if we're going to understand it. And the two questions are, how do we know we're God's children? Um, Because it talks about being God's children. Well, how do we know we're one of them, right? And the next question is, what do God's children inherit? All right, so the first question, how do we know we're God's children? If you look at verse 16, it says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So there is this witness from the Holy Spirit that inwardly tells us that we are His children. Now, what exactly is that witness? And And I joked this morning, do we go into a room and light some candles and sit Indian style and and just wait to hear this voice, you are my child. Like, is that what we're waiting for? And and no, okay, that's not what we're waiting for. And if you want to answer a question with scripture, the best place to look is in the context. And if we really understand what he's talking about here, we have to start in verse one, but don't get nervous. Um, I'll I'll read verse one and then we're going to skip to 13. Verse one says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what Paul says here is he said, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, those who are united to Christ by faith. And we'll get to that more in a minute. And then he spends the next several verses unpacking what that means to be in Christ and what it looks like to be in Christ. But then if you look at verse 13, um, we see some clarification here. He says, for if ye live after the flesh, 
ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So if you're living by the flesh, then you're going to die. So that means if you're satisfying your fleshly desires constantly, and you're just constantly going after what you want, and, and you're not by the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the flesh, then you're going to die. Spiritually, you are dead. You are separated from God. Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Led to do what? To put to death the deeds of the flesh. Okay? So, if you live to fulfill the lusts of your flesh and have no desire to obey God, it's likely you're not His child. And I don't care if you prayed a prayer at VBS when you were four or not. If you're not actively putting to death the deeds of the flesh through the Spirit, then it's very unlikely that you're God's child. Now, that, that makes people nervous because a lot of times when people ask, am I a Christian? Am I God's child? Am I saved? Well, a lot of times we'll ask, well, did you ask Jesus to save you? Well, yeah. And, and we always point to that moment, but you won't really find that in Scripture. The Bible never says if you want to know you're a Christian, just go back to that time when you were four or five and you prayed that prayer and then you know you're a Christian. The Bible asks, what does your life look like right now? Because there's evidences that flow out of that decision to place your faith in Christ. Amen. While the decision is important, the evidences are what, are, are what we look to to know whether or not we are Christian. Amen. And if you prayed a prayer but there's been no change in your life, then it was just a prayer. There was no faith. There was no Holy Spirit regenerating you from the inside out, giving you a new heart. Okay, so the first evidence to know that we are a child of God is that we hate what God hates. We hate our sin and we are led by the Spirit to put that sin to death. Not to put it in a drawer, but to put it to death. Now, some of you may be nervous tonight because you're like, well, man, I got to be honest with you. I kind of enjoy sin sometimes. Does that mean I'm not God's child? And, and we say no because there is a battle. Okay, so there is an enjoyment um, to that sin still because of the old man. But deeper within you, there is a hatred of that sin. And as much as you know that that sin might bring a, a moment of pleasure, the Bible doesn't, doesn't try to hide that. It says there's, sin, there's, there's pleasure in sin for a season. And as much as you may enjoy that for a little while, there's a deeper part of you that says, I hate this. I hate this. I hate that I'm constantly being pulled in this direction to satisfy the deeds of my flesh. I hate it and I want to put it to death. And you long for the day to be reunited with Christ and to have that sin nature gone completely. If you have that battle, that struggle of putting to death the deeds of the flesh, then that's an evidence. That's a witness of the Holy Spirit that you are his child. Okay, so that's first of all. Then, if we go to 15, it says this, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So the first evidence that we are God's child is our hatred of sin. And man, even though we struggle with it, even though we fall back into it often, we hate it, and we want to put it to death. The next evidence is that we are pursuing God and crying out to Him as Father. That is something that the Holy Spirit is working within you. And, it, and it's not a spirit of bondage. It's not, I have to do this. It's not, oh man, God is a, a harsh taskmaster that's going to beat me if I don't do this. It's, it's not like that. It's the spirit of adoption, meaning we've given all the rights and privileges of God's very children, 
And we cry out to him in the most intimate of ways, Abba, Father. Now, why is the um, Aramaic word Abba still there? Um, That's a a fun study, and we could have a lot of time with that. Um, But really what it is, is it's a very intimate way of addressing our Father. A lot of times, um, Jewish children would address their Father this way. Jesus addressed His Father this way when He was here. And that's likely where Paul is getting that. Um, When Jesus was praying, He cried out, Abba, Father. And it's a very intimate form of the word father. Now, it's a very popular teaching that that, that means daddy. And, and while it could mean that, um, it's closer to the word papa, um, something like that. While it could mean that, it's important that we don't take it too far um, to become irreverent. Okay, because daddy is kind of thrown out today. Like, hey, daddy, you know, it's, it's not like that. It's an intimate form. And so, so it's important that we don't take it too far because Jewish children, yeah, they cried out, Abba. But they also recognized that their dad could put them to death. Like he had the authority to do that. So, so there was some serious respect there. But there was intimacy as well. And, and I love how William McDonald puts this. He says, while we may hesitate to use such familiar English words in addressing God, the truth remains that he who is infinitely high is also intimately nigh. Amen. Incredible to think about. If you're a Christian today, God is your father. He who is infinitely high is now intimately nigh. And we cry out, Abba, Father. And that's another witness of the Holy Spirit, the inward testimony of the Spirit. As we cry out to Him, Abba, Father, that's a a witness of the Spirit that we are indeed His children. So, who are the children of God? Those who hate sin, those who are trying to put it to death, and those who are pursuing after God as Father. Now, you may be thinking today, well, I, I don't have that, but I kind of want to be God's child, right? Like, like the song, Santa knows that we're God's children, that makes everything, right? Like, that's not true, okay? So, so we're not all God's children, so how do we become God's child? Like, if you're here today and you're like, man, that's not me, uh, but I want to be God's child, how do I be God's child? The Bible's very clear in John 1.12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. We recognize we're sinners, we're separated from God, we're not his children. In fact, we're objects of his wrath, his just wrath that a lot of people don't like to talk about. But if he's just, then he has to punish sin. And that's who we are, naturally born into this world, objects of God's wrath. But he, in his love, sent Jesus to die for our sins. And those who recognize their sin and realize they can never approach God, they can never have that relationship with God, and place their faith in Jesus alone, receiving him as Savior, they're given the power by the Holy Spirit to become the sons of God. And I said this morning, um, um, women, if you're like, well, why do we all have to be sons? Um, don't get too bent out of shape because the guys all here have to be his bride, right? So, so I think it evens out there. Um, but, but really what it's saying there is there's a privilege of sonship, okay? The sons um, give all the rights and privileges, the firstborn son. And so it's a, it's a privileged thing. We're, we're given the right and we're given the power to become God's very children. From objects of his wrath to seated at his table crying, Abba, Father. Incredible to think about. 
Now, this can't happen apart from the Holy Spirit working in your heart. So I don't know where you are right now on this. If you're indifferent towards spiritual things um, and you have no interest in, in this whatsoever, um, then, then we're going to pray for you. Um, you can ask questions and things like that. But if you're, no, I am a child of God. I have that inner witness. I am putting to death sin and I am pursuing God. Um, amen. But maybe you're in the middle and you're like, man, I, I feel like this is something that I want. Can I tell you that's the Holy Spirit drawing you? Don't walk away tonight without receiving Christ as Savior. Don't walk away. God is drawing you to himself. If you have any interest in this whatsoever, that's an evidence that God is drawing you because I'm telling you, natural people don't have interest in this. Okay, so if, if you're here tonight and you think these Christians are a bunch of weirdos, the reason is because all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just turned the light switch on and we're like, this is it, man. And so, so maybe the Holy Spirit just hasn't turned that light switch on, but if you're interested at all, Pursue. Ask questions tonight. Don't leave without receiving Christ. So how do we know we're God's children? We know because we're putting to death sin. Struggling, but putting it to death. And we're pursuing God as Abba Father. Now let's go to the fun part. What do God's children inherit? What do God's children inherit? I said this this morning, but if you have not found your heart soaring in this message yet, then attach your wings. Um, Verse 17. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Now let's pause for a moment. Take a deep breath because this is pretty astounding to think about. All right. If we are God's children, if what we just looked at is true, then we're not just children. We're heirs and joint heirs with Christ, meaning that everything God owns, we inherit. He's our father and he has an inheritance for us. Now, now that's incredible to think about when we think about how wealthy God is. Okay, so let's look at his wealth really quick. It was very popular back in the day to say that God um, owned the cattle on a thousand hills. Like, wow, this is incredible. And now we're like, that's not that cool, right? Like, let's just be honest, right? It's 2018. Cattle on a thousand hills. Who even wants that, right? Some people do. Some people do. But, but let's be honest. So I got a different verse for you. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Behold, listen to this. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also with all that therein is. So I think that that's a little better. So he's saying the heaven and the heaven of heavens and the earth and everything in it belongs to God. So as as a preacher I was listening to this past week, he said, As the sun sets on this earth and on a thousand other planets and a thousand other galaxies, God owns all of that too. Everything belongs to God. And this past week I was reading in Isaiah chapter 40, and I wish we had time. Mark that in your Bible to go read that later, because I was literally, I know this sounds weird, but I was on the floor praying when I was done, because I I just could not even wrap my mind around how incredible God is. And so I want to read just a few verses. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12 says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? So he's asking these questions. Who, Who can just take up all the water and just measure it in his hand? Okay, he's talking about God, obviously. And meet it out heaven with a span. Who can just, all right, how long is the universe? Okay, about that long. Like, who can do that, right? Um, and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. So you can figure out how much everything just weighs um, just in a measure. And you go on and weigh the mountains and the scales and the hills and the balance. So God can just take mountains and just kind of weigh them to see which one's heavier. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. You ever heard that phrase, a drop in a bucket? It's from the Bible. 
all the nations, okay, add up all the nations, add up all of their wealth, okay, even the ones that are in debt, we've got a little bit of wealth, let's add them all up, and God says, just a drop in a bucket, like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Just a drop in the bucket, and are counted as the small dust of the balance, and then verse 17, he goes on, he actually takes this further, and I was, I was actually laughing when I was reading it, because I feel like he was grasping at ways to describe God. And so he just called the nations a drop in a bucket. And now in verse 17, he's like, actually, all the nations before him are as nothing. <laughs> nope, nothing. Okay. And then the next line, and they are counted to him less than nothing and vanity. So he's like dropping a bucket. Oh, nothing closer, less than nothing. Okay. <laughs> Compare all the nations with all their wealth and all their gold and all their governments and everything there is. Put it on a scale and it's less than nothing compared to God. Amen. Like that's how incredibly wealthy he is. And, and I was telling this this morning, but for us, when we want to go to build a project or something, we can only use the, pro- the materials we're able to afford. Right? But when God goes to do a project, he can just speak more material into existence. Like he just speaks things into existence. So how wealthy is that? A few weeks ago, we were helping Josh with their floor, and we were putting the floor in, and we were one box short. Um, Just one box short. And man, if God was there, like, boom, there you go. All right? Cool. Like, he doesn't run out. Not only does he own everything that we can even see and not see, he can just keep speaking material into existence. That's our God. Okay? That, That is our God. Behold our God. Now, make sure you're sitting down. That's also our Father. That's our father. Like, so when God says, hey, I'm going to supply all your need, then we can trust that. Like he has everything at his disposal and can create more. Amen. He's our father. That's incredible. So, so when it says that we're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, that's who we're receiving an inheritance from. So let me just highlight some of it for you. Okay, The first thing we'll inherit is salvation and eternal life. If you receive Christ by faith and you're born into God's family, you're going to receive salvation and eternal life. Next, we're going to receive a renewed creation, a new heavens and a new earth and everything in it. I wish I had time to look at some of these verses, um, but if you want them, ask me later and I'll get them to you. But, But think about this. A lot of times we think about heaven as floating in the clouds with harps and wings um, and honestly kind of boring. Like I heard a preacher one time say, that heaven is going to be an endless church service where we worship the Lord. When I was a kid and I was like, really? Like, okay, well, that's a bummer, okay? I'm just being honest, right? That's, that's not heaven, okay? That's not heaven. Heaven is a new creation, beautiful, brand new, perfect creation with a new heaven and, and God descending onto this earth and us living on this perfect, beautiful, brand new creation. I mean, imagine the beauties of this world, but perfect, like, this world that we, that we are just in awe of is fallen. It's broken. Right. Imagine a perfect world. That's part of our inheritance as God's children. Not only that, we'll inherit glorified bodies. Now, the older I get, and I know, I know some of you are like, you're just a kid, man. But the older I get, the more I'm looking forward to that. 
All right? Like, I heard a preacher last week talking about this, and he's like, how many of you, like, you just wake up and you're like, ah, I hurt myself in my sleep last night. Like, how did that even happen? I was sleeping, right? Like, the older we get, the more aches and pains we feel. And a few months ago, I hurt my knees playing soccer, and, and I can't even, like, get up the steps without pain. And I'm just like, what in the world? And the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to that brand new perfect body that's part of our inheritance. A physical Okay, not floating around spirits with wings, okay? A physical, perfect, glorified body that never gets tired, never gets old, and never dies. That's part of your inheritance. If you're God's child. Incredible to think about. And I, I say incredible way too much, by the way, but I'm just, it, it's incredible. It's, it's crazy. I can't think of words to describe it. I heard a preacher last week saying, you can Botox the mess out of your face, but it's still going to fall off. Right? Like we, we can use um, health treatments. We can put makeup on. Um, we can go to the gym. We can do all these different things, but our body is still dying. It's still getting old. It's still wrinkling, and it's still getting harder and harder to get out of bed each morning. But if you are God's child, you're getting a brand new body. Amazing to think about. So... Just to highlight all of this, we're going to get eternal life. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to get glorified bodies with perfect minds and and perfect bodies that never get tired. But more important than all of that, more important than all of that, we are going to get God. And look, if you give me an eternal life, if you give me a new body, if you give me a new earth, if you give me all that stuff, but you don't give me Christ... I don't want it. See, our inheritance is, yes, all of that, but ultimately Christ. Ultimately the presence of God. Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Give me all the stuff that we just mentioned, but don't give me God and it's worthless. But Christian, part of your inheritance is God himself. I love how J.I. Packer said this. He said, what will make heaven to be heaven is the presence of Jesus. And of a reconciled divine father who loves us for Jesus' sake, no less than he loved Jesus himself. To see and know and love and be loved by the father and the son in company with the rest of God's vast family is the whole essence of the Christian hope. If you are a believer... This prospect satisfies you completely. That's what we're getting. We're getting God. Listen, I know we all long for a a nice body and we long for a new place and and, and we long for success in in this earth and in work and marriage and family. But more than we need any of that stuff, we need God. And that's why this world is broken. That's why there's pain. That's why there's struggle. That's why, because they're, they're trying to replace this void in their life with other things. But the only thing that will fill the void is God. Pursue Him. Don't give up on Him. Pursue Him as your ultimate pleasure and satisfaction. He's the only one that can fulfill. The only one that can satisfy. I love how Spurgeon said this. We have the hope of everlasting fellowship with Christ. I would give 10,000 worlds if I had them to have one glimpse of that dear face which was marred with sorrow for my sake and to sit at my Lord's feet and look up into his countenance and hear his voice and never, never grieve him. 
but to participate in all his triumphs and glories forever and ever. What a heaven that will be. Take all that stuff we just mentioned and throw it away and just give me Christ. That's all we need. That's all we need to look into the one who spoke us into existence, breathed life into our lungs, and then, and then brought us to the point where, where we needed him and we saw him and we received him as Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. That's the one that we are going to fellowship with in heaven. That is our inheritance. More than any of all that other stuff, it's God himself. And so it's incredible to think about, but if you remember in verse 17, I actually stopped right in the middle of the verse. So let's finish the verse. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. I said this this morning, but quick show of hands. How many of you wish that part wasn't in the verse? Right? Like, hey, can we just stop? Can we end? Like, let's just pray and leave. But that's part of the verse. So what does that mean? Like, we have to suffer to get all that stuff? Like, what is, what is he saying here? What exactly is he referring to when he says suffer? Because I've, I've got to be honest, American Christians, we are so spoiled that just the, the thought of suffering, like, whoa, what, what? Like, we're squirming to think about it. But ultimately, the call to Jesus is a call to suffer. It's all throughout the scriptures. We've done a really good job in America of just kind of skipping over those passages or twisting them. Um, there's a lot of preachers that are out there saying you come to Jesus and everything's going to be okay. That's heresy. Yeah. It's, it's a false gospel. Okay? I don't care if they have southern twang in their voice. It's a false gospel. Okay? Yeah. Don't listen to it. If, if someone tells you that Jesus is going to take away all your earthly problems, then, then he's completely clueless to what the scriptures tell us. That's right. If so be that we suffer with him. So what does that mean? Jesus said... If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That was the call. When Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? Take up your cross. Or in our day, you want to follow me? Take up your electric chair. Okay, it's not, it's not some pretty thing you hang around your neck. It's a torture device. All right, follow me. Be willing to die. Be willing to suffer. But he doesn't stop there. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. So we see there that when Jesus calls people, he calls them to come and die. He calls them to suffer. And so what is the suffering that Paul is talking about here? And I think we get the answer as we keep reading. He talks about this broken world. And he talks about that even the world itself is groaning, waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Like just, it's just in pain. It's, it's groaning. There's brokenness. There's pain. And, and, and that's obvious. Right? Like when we look around, when we watch the news, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt in this world. And, and I think that's what Paul's talking about. As we go through those things and we cling to Christ, we endure them, we suffer with Him so that, why? That we might be glorified with Him. Look at verse 29. Here's the purpose of all the suffering. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So what's he saying? He's saying before you ever existed, God had a relationship with you and he predetermined that you would be conformed into the image of God's son. And so every trial 
and every heartache and every suffering that we, all the suffering that we go through on this earth, he's using that to conform you into the image of Jesus. And, and so as we, as we think about that and we stop, recognize God is sovereign. He's sovereign. Okay, it's not God, Satan, and this battle. No, it's God and he could squash Satan right now. And everything that happens in your life has to pass through the hand of God. That, that brings up a lot of hard questions, I'll be honest. But it also brings a comfort deep in our souls because our Heavenly Father has allowed this to come into our lives. And the pain is real. The hurt is deep. The tears are long. But we can be comforted by the fact that our Heavenly Father allowed that to come into our lives to bring us into the image of His Son. And, and that's why throughout church history, historically, if you look, every time persecution has swept into the church, the church has grown. That's right. Because this is what happened. Persecution comes, it weeds out all the false professions. The real Christians cling to Christ, spread out, and the gospel spreads out. And so what Paul is saying here is as, as we suffer with him, if we suffer with him, if we go through the cancer, if we go through the financial setback, if we go through the hard times with our spouse or with our kids, if we go through those things but we cling to Christ and we trust him through it all, we're going to be glorified. And so as we suffer, we cling to Christ, knowing, knowing that we have an inheritance. Look at verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul, Paul doesn't downplay suffering. He's like, it's real. But can I tell you, it doesn't even compare to the glory that's, that's going to come through us as God's children. And so during that suffering, remember, God is conforming you into the image of Jesus. He's bringing you through that. He allowed that in your life. He's in control. And we can take all that suffering and compare it to our future glory and have peace knowing that this doesn't even compare to what's going to be revealed. C.S. Lewis said this, We'll scarcely be able to look at one another without worshiping. <laughs> Now, we don't know that's, a re well, that's not going to be a real problem, um, but you, you see his point. When we get to heaven, like, look around really quick, okay? When we see each other in heaven, you're going to be like, whoa, like, what happened to you, right? And I know the guy over here is like, what happened to you? Like, like we're going to be glorified, and it's going to be amazing to think about. And so in the midst of this life right now, we can say with Paul, this doesn't even compare. This doesn't even compare. And so as we look at those two questions, how do we know God's, we're God's children? We're putting to death the deeds of the flesh. We're pursuing God. We've placed our faith and trust in Jesus alone. And what is our inheritance? Glorified bodies, a renewed creation, all those other things. But most importantly, God himself. Amen. And so what do I want you to do with this message tonight? What's, what's bringing it down home for all of us? Well, for really just sitting here and, and just listening to it, that, that's partly the application. Just, just allow the excitement inside you to just run tonight as you consider your inheritance as God's children. But also, to put it in a sentence, I want you to keep life in perspective by remembering who your father is. That's what I want for you today. So as the trials of this life come, or as just the alarm clock on Monday morning comes, keep life in perspective. And remember who your father is. Remember who your father is. Think about that. 
I want to close with this illustration. John Newton told this. He said, suppose a man was going to New York to take possession of a large estate and his carriage should break down a mile before he got to the city, which obliged him to walk the rest of the way. What a fool we should think of him if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering out all the remaining mile, saying, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. So let's bring that into today's world really quick. Let's say you get a call from Donald Trump and uh, he says, hey, guess what? The entire nation's yours. You just got to come to D.C. and pick it up. Like, Whoa, what? Like, yeah, everything, all the money, everything. It's yours, okay? Okay? We get in our car. We're heading down there, okay? And uh, we get about a mile outside. We're about to meet him. Our car breaks down. And we get out of our car and we slam the door and the whole way there we're complaining and moaning and groping and just so upset that our car broke down. Forgetting that the moment we get there, the entire nation is ours. Like how foolish would that be? I think you see the point. As we go through this life, there's going to be a lot of broken carriages. There's going to be a lot of heartache. There's going to be a lot of pain. But how foolish we would be if we complained and then moaned the entire time, not realizing the inheritance that is coming for us as God's children. So keep life in perspective. Remember who your father is. Remember the inheritance that he's promised us. Listen, the God of the universe delights in you because of Jesus and his sacrifice on your behalf. He delights in you, not a future version of you. You, right now, God delights in you as his child. So keep life in perspective. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. Lord, thank you so much for the inheritance that you've promised us, Lord. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to describe it, God, but I, I can't describe it. And we, we have no idea what you have prepared for us, God. And it's incredible to think about, like, you just love us so much, Lord. And I have no idea why. But Lord, I just pray that as we close today, we would remember on this Father's Day, our Heavenly Father. We'd remember the inheritance that you've promised us. God, I pray if there's anyone here that is not your child, that you draw them to yourself tonight. Lord, that you would awaken their hearts to the gospel. Lord, that no one would leave here without receiving the gift of salvation. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> amen. Thank you.